Stay inspired on the go with Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast from internationally acclaimed executive coaches, authors and ministers, Albert and Comfort Okran. You will be inspired and challenged with strategies to consistently reach for new heights. And now, today's message by Reverend Albert Okran. Springboard is a thematic radio seminar that provides a virtual meeting ground for top CEOs, corporate executives and the most influential leaders every Sunday evening via the medium of radio. It has for the past six years consistently operated with a simple mission of equipping a new generation of African leaders and executives using the medium of human capital development. The broadcast is put together by Legacy and Legacy, your partner for world-class corporate training and your superstition Joy 99.7 FM. It is brought to you by the kind courtesy of EcoBank, the Pan-African Bank. We also are proud to enjoy media support from the Business and Financial Times as well as the graphic business and technology backing from DreamMobile. Let me start off on our way with the Springboard Weekly Poll. And this week, it's an interesting subject I'm sure you will have an opinion about. And the, the, the message is simply this. School motors have no impact, true or false. School motors have no impact, true or false. And it's been raging all day on social media. The vandals of Commonwealth Hall say truth stands. The fans film says, which means think and look ahead. A disco says, well, primus, welcome, primus. Simply mean either the first or with the first. Wesley Girl says, live pure, speak truth, right, wrong, and follow the king. Achimota says that all may be one. The Prisekans say, in your light we shall see light. And of course, Maoli School says, they educate the head, the heart, and the hand. I'm sure your school has its own motto. And I haven't seen a school with a motto that sounds evil or that sounds like teaching people to do the wrong thing. Every school motto seems to be pointing people towards the light or pointing people towards the right thing. Now, there are two schools of thought about the relevance of school motos. The impact school argues that hearing and repeating a motto over and over helps to inculcate these values in the students. They suggest that the motos often act as a check on the behavior of students during and even after school. The no-impact school contends that it is the same schools with nice motos that have produced some of the most mediocre, corrupt, and incompetent people we see in society today. They insist that many of the old students do not even know their school motos and their meanings. The reason, according to them, is that people go through these schools, but the schools, as well as their motos, don't go through them. Which school do you subscribe to? Are school motors making an impact or they are not making an impact? And I'm, I'm going to be asking my guest very shortly his own opinion about that. I'm sure he'll have a very strong opinion. What is your own school motto and what does it mean? And has it impacted your life and that of other students from your school? And so that person who was a prefect, a prefect in school who is now a corrupt public official, did the person not go through the school? And did the school go through the person? Let's talk about this subject. No holds barred. Do school motors really, really make a difference in our lives? And that's a debate on Springboard, your virtual university tonight. And I will be very happy to share your thoughts with the whole world. If you want to let us know what you think, two simple ways. Just do it via social media by dropping it on the Facebook page Springboard Virtual University or dropping it on my Facebook page or you can also send it by text 1422 across networks and we'll be happy to let the whole world know what do you think about school motors and their impact let me remind you that today is the day number two of another 30 day journey on the SMS Academy and this time we are exploring 30 laws of personal growth and that is the theme for November 30 laws of personal growth and so last month was about the secrets of the top CEOs of, of this world and this month we've moved on to personal growth your own growth 30 laws of growth today's message is simple it's about the law of awareness personal growth requires self-awareness and acceptance of who you are you can't reach your full potential without a sense of your own abilities and aspirations and that is our message for today on the spring on the springboard sms academy if you just send us a text to 1984 if you are an mtn or airtel user and to 1985 if you are a vodafone or tigo user the way to send via text is springboard and once you send that once you can subscribe until you decide that you've graduated from the sms academy 
And then when the pictures of the public speaking course came out last Wednesday and Thursday, I, we got a number of calls asking about why didn't we know? But you see, we announced it for a whole month. And the public speaking course this week was probably one of the most exciting courses we've ever had. And by day number two, we could see significant improvement in the speaking skills of the top executives who made time to be with us at the Knowledge Center on Wednesday and Thursday. So today I'm going to play a song for all those who made, made it to that course. It was just such an engaging experience and it was heartwarming to see significant progress within 48 hours. And so that brings us to the main subject for today or our main main for today. So tonight we climbed to the ninth floor in our series called Leaders Digest. We started from the ground floor on the 7th of September and it's been quite an engaging interaction with eight leaders so far. Our simple task is to distill their core values and the principles that undergird their lives and we hope that by the end of this series at the end of the year we will distill the common themes that run through the submissions of the various CEOs and top leaders and try to chart a path and see these are the most common values that you will find among the notable leaders in corporate Ghana and other leadership areas in this country. My guest for tonight is someone I've known for probably about 35 years and my enduring, enduring memory of him is several years ago, probably three decades ago when we had a chance to sit together and talk about the future and he said he was going to become a world everybody was talking about what they wanted to become in future he said he wanted to become a world class banker and guess what he's living that dream today as the first Ghanaian chief executive of the Standard Chartered Bank was it luck? was it a self-fulfilling prophecy? we'll find out from him when we get to talk to him very shortly but my guest tonight is Kweku Beduado the Chief Executive of the Standard Chartered Bank. Welcome to Springboard. This must be your third time. Uh, good evening, Albert. Good evening to your listeners, and thank you for inviting me. Yes, this is my third time on this cherished show. Right. It's always good to see you. Thank you. Right. So, let me start with my... Let, let's start on the lighter side with our, our discussion about school motus. And so, all day long, people have been sharing their opinions. Some are some very animated debate on social media about about school motors and whether they matter or not. One school says, listen, these motors, the schools have them and yet the same people come out of the schools and they go out and they don't affect society enough. Others say, listen, whatever you listen to continuously will influence your life. Which school of thought do you belong to? What do you subscribe to? Well, Albert, I think that education is meant to transform a person into a social being. Um, it's supposed to among others, impart knowledge, impart values to the individual. It's supposed to teach you critical thought. It's supposed to impart a sense of responsibility and moral discipline into an individual. I think in Ghana, the preoccupation has been with occupational skills and learning by rote you know, regenerating what we learn without giving much emphasis on critical thought, problem solving, imparting values and moral discipline into people. So when you look at the complete picture, then I think that there are gaps in the way we educate people in Ghana. And those gaps are bound to magnify themselves when the people become adults. And so then one asks, do the school motos make any impact on the individuals? And I think that in some ways, yes, but perhaps the education package is not complete enough as it should be in Ghana. And so the tendency to think that then these school motos are, you know, empty words would be high. I don't think they are empty words. It's just that it's not complete. Our education is not complete. And we become social beings through um, self-discovery. It may be by accident, but I don't, I'm not convinced we come out of school as social beings. Let me, let me, let me, let me drift towards the theme that you, 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 you touched on briefly, the theme of self-discovery. And so you talk about being, becoming social beings, critical thinking, the, the school motors could be more impactful if our education focused a bit more on on the holistic development of the person more than just the course outline or curriculum and and then you mentioned 
um, solve discoveries sometimes by accident. Would you say that in your own case, you, you mentioned when you were in school that you wanted to become a banker. Would you say that you are, is, is a regular case or, or for many people, they, they never get to find who they are? Would you say you found who you want to be? Is, is it normal for a person to find out who they want to be that early or is an exception? <laughs> you know, the, this whole banker thing, I, I may have probably said it, yes, in school, as you know, maybe 30 years ago, what did we know? But the truth is also, by the time we finished secondary school, I knew what I didn't want to be. And what was that? Because I was a science student, but by the end of lower six, I knew that science was not for me. And so, um, I could immediately eliminate the whole swathe of career options, options. Right. because I knew that science was not for me. I could do it, I could pass it, I could understand it, but I didn't see myself in a science-based career. I thought I enjoyed management and leadership and, you know, creating something out of nothing. And so I knew that that is where I should focus my career. Um, so again, it was a journey of self-discovery. And as you know, I, I didn't start my career as a banker. Right. Not that I didn't have the opportunity, but I didn't think it was the right choice at the time that I had the opportunity. So I declined the opportunity when it came my way. I, I joined banking much, 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 much later uh, when I thought I had done what I needed to do. So which foundations would you say prepared you to come back into the the, the banking industry, just for the benefit of our listeners? You, you said at, at the initial point that you were not, you didn't think you had prepared yourself enough. What were you looking for? Was it experience? Was it a broad scope of knowledge? Was it management studies? What, what was it that you were looking for? I wanted to, first of all, educate myself more. Uh... So I focused more on that after my first degree. I wanted to go on to do graduate studies. And I also enjoyed what I was doing at the time. Um, you know, coming out of university and getting the opportunity to work with economic policy managers was pretty exciting. It didn't pay much, but I, I got to learn so much about how the system works, how an economy is managed, or how not to manage an economy um, and also gave me a very broad network I got to know so many people was that at the Ministry of Finance? yes how long was that? I was there for seven years right and that provided the base that yes. built upon yes it gave me a very solid base I'm going to take a brief um, commercial break and when I come back I'm going to be asking you about the three pillars the, if you had a choice of three core values that undergird your life what would they be and how you arrived at those values but this is Springboard your virtual investment my guest for tonight this chief executive of the Standard Chartered Bank Kweku Beduado walking us through the pages of his life keep the frequency clear 99.7 to how many spars are of seven and this is springboard your your virtual university and tonight I get to hang out with the chief executive of the Standard Chartered Bank Kweku Beduadu as we begin to unravel the 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 pillars that hold this life, the secrets behind this work. What kind of person is he and what are the principles that have brought him to the place where he is now? And this journey of life that he talks about, has he arrived or is still traveling? Kweku before we went on the break you were talking about self discovery. When does a person arrive? I think learning is a very dynamic process. The day you think you arrive, that's when you start retrogressing. So my advice is to keep learning. Uh, keep your curiosity up. Uh, it's great to be curious. It's great to be, to be learning all the time. There's always something new and exciting to learn. Get out of your comfort zone and learn new things. Embrace change. And you find life exciting. Is life exciting for you? I think so, yes. What makes it exciting? Is it, le is it a learning? Yeah, it's a learning experience. 
if if I asked you the three the three values, personal values, I know the bank has its own values. I mean, you have you have various affiliations with your own corporate values. But as a person, would you say there are three values that guide your life? How would they be? Okay, there there are quite a number, but I think I'll to focus on three since you asked me for three. First of all, is how you treat people, and that's something that I've tried to share in the bank ever since I became a CEO. I insist that we treat people with fairness, dignity, and respect. For me, that is not negotiable. What, no matter what, people must be treated with fairness, dignity, and respect. Second thing is to deliver more value than you are paid to do. In other words, go the extra mile. When you do that, you put the obligation on other people towards you. And it generates goodwill and favor and opportunities. So always do more than you are paid to do. Even if you will not be paid for it, you will not be recognized. It doesn't matter. Just do it. And the third one is to keep a positive mental attitude at all times and be aspirational. But that aspiration must be backed by a positive mental attitude at all times. Wow, what a strong list. So treat people well. That is with fairness, dignity, and respect. Deliver more than you are paid to do and will bring you goodwill, favor, and opportunities, even if you are not paid. It doesn't bring money. And then the third one is a positive mental attitude. It should always be undergirded by what? Aspiration. Aspiration. Not just aspiration in the vacuum, but backed by work. Yeah. Right. Let's find out. Were these values informed by your experiences, by interaction with people, mentors, parents? How, how did you arrive at these three values? Again, I think it was a process of self-discovery, personal experiences, observations, um, particularly about the treatment of people. I think in all my travels around the world, I think when it comes to treating people well, Africa is lagging behind. We don't even treat our own well. How much more other people? Perhaps we even treat foreigners better than we treat our own. And I find that very shameful, extremely shameful. In the last two months, I've lost some relatives due to sickness. And what they went through at the hospital leaves so much to be desired, you know. We, we don't treat each other very well. Um, although they passed, and God bless their souls, they passed under very difficult circumstances, bereft of any dignity as human beings. No one should be made to go through such things. And I think that society as a whole, we failed ourselves as a society in uplifting our dignity as Africans, as Ghanaians. Because I'm sure in your travel around the world, you see that uh, the baseline for society, as far as dignity is concerned, is much, much, much higher than what you see in Ghana and other parts of Africa. And I think we've, we've got to do a lot of work there. So you're trying to treat people well, you want to make the world a better place? Sh certainly. And right. we, we need to elevate the game in in Africa. Right. So that's how you arrived at your first value. The second one was delivering more than more value than you are you are, you are paid. And you talked about you, you called it the extra mile. Yeah. Again, how did you arrive at that one? That I read about that very early, uh, fortunately, just after university. I read a book that shared those values and can you share the title? Yes, the title of the book was The Power uh, a Positive Mental Attitude, the Science of Success by Napoleon Hill. I'm not sure the book is still in production, but, but it, I'm it, sure it if is, you it is. His, works, his, his works have been have been re repackaged and and, 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 and circulated. Yeah, that that book made a massive difference in my life. Right. You know, and that's where I learned about going the extra mile, doing more than you are paid to do, and I've applied it in my career ever since. Talking about Hill, I mean, I, I think that Think and Grow Rich um, has pride of place as one of my top ten books of all time in terms of the significant impact. Hill was a very compelling writer. I suspect that it was because of his own life journey. You know, the story of his personal disappointment, dropped out of law school, 
and spent 20 years on a research project um, commissioned by Andrew Carnegie for free. Yeah. I mean, I and know, he had to do that project for free. Things. So I guess it, it made him such a compelling person in his writings. And I find that his material tends to be very, very strong. Yes, um, it, it works. So right. anyone out there who has access to these books, do read them. It makes a big difference. Right. And that brings us to positive mental attitude. I, I guess that, that, that explains where you got that from. <laughs> yes, in a way. But I think innately I was always a positive person. I dwell more on the positive than on the negative. So, But I guess it was only reinforced when I read such books, you know, in terms of sticking to that way of life, staying positive, don't dwell too much on the disappointments and the negative things of life. Everybody encounters negative things, but try to dwell on the positive. And stay does, it, positive. Does, does it make a difference, the kind of outlook you have towards life? Because some people say that the, the optimists, um, they tend to blank out the reality, and so their outlook on life is not the reality. It's an imaginary world. Would you subscribe to that notion? No, I don't. Manage the reality, but stay positive. Right. You can manage the reality, but focus on the positive. What does it mean to manage reality? To manage reality is to is to is to deal with the situations as they arise. Sometimes they'll be positive, sometimes they'll be negative. Look, there's no successful person who hasn't endured something negative, some humiliation, some failure along the way. Nobody will believe that the the, the CEO of Stanchart has had setbacks. Have you had setbacks in your life? Of course. Nobody believes you. Yeah, I've, I've had many setbacks. <laughs> what kind of setback? I mean, somebody says, "Listen, I have, I, I got, I got, a, I got, I got a, a text message from somebody on my way in. Says, help me get a job. I was working with not your bank, one of the banks, and I've worked there for how many years? And I got laid off, compulsory laying off, and I just don't know what to do. I've tried to get a job, it's not working for me. And now, listen, if I got a driver's job, I'll do it. That, that's that's real setback. Yes. Not, not to compare setback, but I'm saying that this is somebody who says, listen, <laughs> if I find anything, I just need help. Have you found yourself in a position where you felt vulnerable and unable to deal with, with challenges? Certainly. Uh, look, we we when I finished university, uh, look, my parents were public sector employees. Uh, there was no way they they could afford. I wanted to go to school in America, and there was no way they could afford that kind of education for me. And so I had to work it out myself. And a combination of all these principles helped me. But along the way, I took a lot of knocks. I took a lot of disappointment. I took a lot of setbacks along the way until it all finally came together for me a couple of years later. And I can assure you, the the time between making that effort and the disappointments and the uh, setbacks that I encountered along the way where they were pretty devastating but again it's important to to have a positive attitude about it there is a there's an interesting case of eventually when i i i, I went out um i got a full funding from the world bank graduate scholarship program now i applied several years and faced a lot of disappointment i got a letter from a gentleman named mr frank farner uh, turning me down with the usual excuse that there were so many qualified people blah 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 you know the usual thing mm-hmm. I tried another the next year I got the same letter from Mr. Fana but different dates and well guess what a couple of years later when I tried again and I got it and I was invited to Washington D.C. for a dinner with the World Bank Mr. Fana. I sat next to Mr. Fana. <laughs> Did you tell him who? Yes, I told him who I was and his letters that I had, and he wasn't very amused about it. You know, he felt, I could tell he was a bit irritated about it, but I just had to let him know that, look, I went through this period of disappointment. I got the same letter from you, same dates. Sorry, different dates, but same content. Right. It was almost kind of programmed and just... Yes, that's how it, that's how it, it felt off. then. So, yes, I, I've had disappointments. I've really had disappointments. That's just one side of it. Um... When I tried to move into the banking sector, I got turned down by quite a number of banks. They probably don't remember today that they actually turned me down. Really? Uh, yeah, I was turned down uh, by a number of banks. 
some they didn't even know how I fit into their their plans. You know, it sounds like breaking news. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they probably wouldn't remember now that you know many years ago they they didn't even look at me. What made the difference? Tenacity and self-belief. You know, believing in your destiny and in your capability ultimately swung it for me. I've met people in the corporate world who are angry, bitter, offended. And I'm choosing my words deliberately. And it's all about something that didn't go well for them, somebody who didn't treat them well, some promotion that was denied them, something that they felt was rightfully theirs that it, it, it didn't come to them. And somebody says, listen, it happened to me, and, I, and, 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 and that's why there's a word like anger, and I feel very hurt, very offended, very bitter. Within the context of your own experience, would you say that these kinds of emotions can be destructive for a person's career? Yeah, ang- anger is a negative emotion. It, it can always um, be a source of distraction, uh, keep you away from your focus. Uh, look, the corporate world is, is not a very smooth one. Um, there are a lot of ambitious people in there. Uh, there's a lot of politics that goes on. It, it, it can really consume its own. That's the harsh reality of the corporate world. But I think um, you still need to, in spite of all that, be focused, believe in yourself, go the extra mile, and if you're really committed, your day will come. I, I strongly believe that. Your day will come. Your day will come, and that is a word from Kwekubedu. If you just joined us, this is a very, very inspirational discussion we are having with the chief executive of the Standard Chartered Bank, Kwekubedu, walking us through his own life experiences. And if there's something I've heard tonight that I never knew, it was the fact that even as he sits in that glass office up there, he's also had his own setbacks. He suffered rejection before, something that one would not associate with somebody at the top of the corporate ladder. But hey, if you are there, also going through your own challenges and wondering whether you can do something, this is something that should give you encouragement. The fact that he has been turned away before on the on the journey, not just by one bank, but a couple of banks. And he, here he is. Um, leading the bank, you won an award this week, and I'm sure it must, it must have been a source of great pride for you. As well, you. it's, it's uh, the bank has done very well in recent years, so I was not surprised that um, I got the news this morning that um, it was chosen as the best performing bank in, I guess, 2013. I'm going to play a song, I Feel Like Going On by Benjamin Duby, and I want to dedicate it tonight to anyone who feels like giving up because you are facing challenges as we draw into the month of November. Somebody is saying from January till now, I can't tell where this year is going. I want to play the song I feel like going on. If you feel yeah, like stopping. If there are people out there who are giving up, yeah. my plea to them is don't give up. Right. Um, everybody has been through rejection, um, disappointment. I have suffered it and many people like me have suffered it so be encouraged and don't give up that's what I'll say fantastic and I made a promise this week on Thursday that I'm going to play this song for the entire class of 30 top executives that came for the public speaking class they started the class by 70% thereabouts of them admitted that they feared the microphone and they feared public speaking and by the time we were halfway through the second day, they had each made a, an individual presentation and they had a very exciting group presentation. And, and you could just see the, the sense of liberty that they could speak in public. And, and so I'm dedicating this song to them, I Feel Like Going On by Benjamin Dubé. Enjoy it. And when we come back, I'm going to ask you some more questions about your life. And you are the guest speaker from Francis Speak Day this weekend. Let me find out what you will tell thousands of young people looking to you and wanting to become the next Kweku Beduadu. Please don't go away.
going to get money out without a car. Gosh, how did you do that? Don't you know that now you can withdraw cash from either MTN Mobile Money or Airtel Money at any Ecobank ATM and you don't even need an ATM card? Wow. That's great. And Ecobank has over 200 ATMs across Ghana. It's so convenient. Plus, it's super easy and totally secure. Withdraw cash at any Ecobank ATM from your MTN mobile money and Airtel money wallets. For more information, just call free on short code 3225 from Airtel, MTN, and Vodafone lines. Or 0302-213-999. At normal charges. Terms and conditions apply. Ecobank, the Pan-African Bank. Keep the frequency clear. 99.7. 17 minutes to the hour of 8 o'clock, and I love commercial breaks because on the on the virtual university, that's when I get to learn. I get to have private tuition, and quickly just blew my mind with something that I I just have to share with you. So I got to see I got to see his 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 diary or his notepad for the year 2000, the 19th of January to be precise. I've been talking about the power of vision in my in the build up towards tonight's program and in his diary of the 19th of January 2000 he wrote a master plan to climb to the top of the corporate ladder interestingly it spelled out his blueprint for climbing to the top two weeks later he was in the banking industry and let, let me find out from so quickly for the benefit of our listeners, I, I know I have compelled you and taken a picture of that diary, but for the benefit of our listeners, what what made you write this? I, is, is, that, is that part of your nature? Yeah, it's part of my nature. I, I pick up clues and lessons in life everywhere. Just from watching people on the street, in the market, in the shop, movies, books, wherever I pick up an idea, I write it down. So what may have happened on this 19th of January... 2000, which was before I started my career in the bank, was I probably did my preparation for the technical side of, you know, the business part of banking, but I also looked at the other things that it takes to to rise in in your career, and um, so I prepared my notes, you know, because I had no clue about banking uh, up to that time. I'd never worked in a banking environment before, right. so it was probably part of my preparation. And it starts with a prayer. Yeah, it's a Lord grant me absolute wisdom and humility to embark on this journey to the top. Let integrity, honesty, patience, and above all, simple what common sense be my guide in all things. In Jesus' name, I pray with thanksgiving. Were you actually praying this prayer? Yeah, I thought I should write it down. (laughs) I was probably at home alone at the time, so I had the whole house to myself, a lot of solitude to reflect. Because uh, I didn't know what to expect in in the banking environment. I thought I was entering the banking rather late because I was probably over 30 as I was making that switch. Well, if you're listening out there, it's never too late for you. And the second one was render more service than I'm paid for, cheerfully and with a positive attitude. And obviously, you just mentioned that, which means that it's kind of stuck with you all your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then bide my time and remain alert for opportunity. And that's something that we probably didn't, didn't have a lot of patience. You, you mentioned patience in there. Why, why are we not patient to wait for our opportunity? Is it that we, we, we think that life has left us behind? You know, opportunity comes in different forms. And sometimes just by our attitude, we may miss it when it comes. That's why keeping a positive attitude is important. Because in the absence of that, even when the opportunity comes... You might not see it. You talk about alertness. Yeah. What does it mean to be alert for opportunity? Emotionally, physically, you need to be alert. Explain. Because opportunities don't come on a silver platter. They often come wrapped up in a very unglamorous way. And if you are not discerning enough, you might not see it and my... Uh, you know, pass it by and it goes to the next person who's really alert and will jump with that opportunity and transform it. it the opportunity hardly comes wrapped up in, 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 in gold foil or anything, you know. It, it doesn't look glamorous when it comes. So if you're waiting for opportunity thinking that it will come in a very glamorous form, I'll say think twice. It never comes or often doesn't come in a glamorously packaged. It comes with <laughs> all the good sides and the bad sides right and you might miss it if you are not alert with the benefit of hindsight have you almost missed an opportunity a major opportunity in your life before 
you talk about being physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually alert, which means that sometimes you pick, you you you, you grab an opportunity, and you look back and you see, if I had not been alert, I would have missed missed this one because of how it was packaged. Have you almost missed out on, a, on a, an opportunity before? Um, it's possible. It's possible. I think my early years in banking were not very pleasant, but um, I had a very difficult assignment. Then, but once I overcame it, it really opened doors for me. Uh, I could easily have given up at that time. Right. I could have. And that's why I played you the song, I Feel Like Going On. <laughs> With the benefit of hindsight, you, you, you've come a long way. Now, this journey, you say it's a continuous journey. You still think that there's much more that you want to do. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Who are the people who have influenced you the most as, an, as, an, as, a, as a person? Who are some of the individuals who have mentors, individuals who have influenced your career? Can you remember some of them? Oh, I, I, so many people. I'm where I am Frank today. Fana, Frank Fana definitely is where. <laughs> <laughs> I'm where I am today on the shoulders of so many people. Right. So many people. And um, I don't even know where to start and where to stop. I have people that have helped me get where I am and they remain available as sounding boards whenever I need them and I'm most grateful for that. They know themselves. I they are too numerous for me to mention. Um, but look it's important to keep learning. There are lessons everywhere. So it's not just from these mentors that one can learn from. Uh, there's so many people. Uh, sometimes even the laborer working in the under the hot sun, if you observe him quietly you can learn a lot from him. Uh, the the humble laborer, the carpenter, whatever. There's so many lessons in life. If you take your time, you can learn from people, ordinary people on the streets. And for me, that's what makes learning so powerful. I don't just look to one source for for learning. Earlier on, when I asked you about your values, you gave me the three top values as treating people well. You talked about delivering more than you are paid to do and you talked about the mental a positive mental attitude backed by aspiration but looking earlier on into your diary and into your your aspirations as a person i realized that you talked about humility common sense patience let me just ask you do these values change with time and are they driven by circumstances uh, is, is it does the time you find yourself in in life influence your your your, your core values as a person well, Albert, principles, particularly principles, I think they are timeless and they are universal. So it doesn't matter whether you are sitting in Accra or Tamale or Bulga or Iraq or United States, principles are the same. Uh, they are universal. Right. And so it doesn't matter. Time right. doesn't change those principles. Right. They, are, they are time tested. Maybe the emphasis will shift from one to another, but the undergirding principles are still the same. Yes. Right. I want to read some of the comments that um, are on social media in relation to putting out some of the things you said about your life and, and they coming to pass. Jonathan has been writing on us. Is there something like a self-fulfilling prophecy? He says, self-prophecy is one of the greatest positive weapons to use as a person. Much of what I am today are due to something positive that I said in the past. Like the Bible says, death and life lie in the power of the tongue. David Edu Poku says, I believe in the existence of self-fulfilling prophecies. It's not for nothing that the Holy Bible speaks about the power of the tongue. We are created in the image of God and thus possess, possess the creative power of our desired future. Earlier on, I also asked you to tell me whether the school motors that we have really, really matter. I have lots of comments on social media. Everyone telling me about their school and their motto. And I'm sure that... I, let, me, let me make sure I don't read a school that I went to first, lest I'm accused of... <laughs> All right, St. Thomas Aquinas, our school motto is Veritas Librat, meaning that the truth shall set you free. It has impacted on its, on its products positively. Abdul Malik, we can confirm that. Okay, so that's from Simon Akins. Um, Kofi Enki says, I'm for the impact school. School motors are still relevant, just as some old students have chosen not to be relevant in their thoughts and deeds. My alma mater is Apam Secondary, and we go by Obra Pa. Okay, that is Kofi Enki writing about Apam Secondary School. Um, 
Okay, so justice appear, please. The French you've written, I can't read it, but it's translated God is the light of knowledge, and that's the motto of Opokuare Senior High School, and it has made an impact on the majority of the boys, if not all. That is from Justice Appear. Betty Akumati says, Nil Nisi Optima, and that's the motto of Temasku. And she says she associates herself with the impact group, but also qualifies with some because some of the old students they don't live by the motto. Um, Kelly Sapo says, Adidome Secondary School, our motto is light, love, and truth. This motto has had a tremendous impact on our lives. Pastor Ransford, what was your school motto and has it impacted you? Felix Adeti says, Sugasco has as his motto, no cross, no crown. We are simply the best. It's becoming an old school reunion. I didn't intend, intend for it to be that, but I just want to know, has the motto impacted you? Um, Philip Osebons says the motto of St. John's School Second D is Viam Parentes, which means preparing the way. If I didn't pronounce it correctly, just ignore it. Um, so I want to find out, is, is your, has your school motto impacted your life? Nora Morales says, Holy Child School, Facta Non Verba, Actions Not Words. I think people choose what influences them. The school will only influence the person, but other factors will also be at play. We could have this debate continuously on social media, but I'm going to present to you some of the key learnings that I have from Kweku Beduadu, and I'm sure that if you go, you went into the graphic business on Tuesday, you will see the full script um, of every person that we interview, including their Ten Commandments. For those of you who are very keen on getting it written out, um, I can say without any shadow of doubt that some, some of the thoughts that he has shared are number one about education, holistic education. He said that education is expected to provide critical thinking and our focus on education falls short because of the, the focus on um, the academic curriculum only. Um, the second thing he said is that he initially declined opportunities in banking because he felt he was not ready. And that meant that he came into banking quite later. The third thing he said is that a person never arrives. Learning and curiosity are lifelong endeavors. On his three core values, he says treat people well is number one. And he insists that people must be treated with fairness, dignity, and respect. He says in his travels around the world, he realizes that sadly Africa lags behind when it comes to treating our own well. And that is something that he has committed himself to changing. The second value he has is deliver more value than you are paid to do. That means go the extra mile and it will bring you favor and opportunities and goodwill, even if it does not seem that you are getting money in the short run. He says that it was influenced by his reading of the book The Power of a Positive Mental Attitude The Science of Success by Napoleon Hill and that began the journey that led him to always give extra value. The third um, principle of value in his life is a positive mental attitude backed by aspiration. And so those are the top values of his life. He talked about his own setbacks and the most interesting one of them was the fact that he, he was turned down by a number of banks because they didn't see how he could fit into their organization. But today he's heading one of the best banks in this country. And he says the way he turned it around was by tenacity and self-belief. So whoever you are out there, if you are being bounced in your marriage proposal, the word is tenacity and self-belief. And in your career too, if you are experiencing setbacks, it is what? Tenacity and self-belief. Um, on the issue of anger and bitterness because of corporate politics. His suggestion is that your time will come and so do not allow negative emotions to destroy your career. He also mentions that opportunities often come unglamorously packaged, if I may use those words. He says they hardly are ever wrapped in gold foil, but if you are alert physically, spiritually, and in every other way, you will see your opportunities and you will seize them. The, what has made the greatest impact on me tonight from Kweku Beduado is the sighting of his diary of the 19th of January 2000, in which he wrote out a blueprint for rising to the top of the corporate world. Two weeks after, he began a banking career, and 10 years later, he was the CEO of the Standard Chartered Bank. Do you have a blueprint for rising to the top of your field. If not, probably you should start one now. And with Kweku's permission, I have posted that page of his diary on my Facebook page. This is breaking news. You need a blueprint for your own journey to the top. Kweku, it's been a blessed evening listening to you and 
I must say that I, every time you get to spend time with us, we learn something new. Your closing thoughts on the show? I think my closing thoughts would be to everyone out there, but particularly to um, corporate leaders or people in leadership positions in the corporate world, in government, in churches, everything. I think you must be models of human aspiration. Stand for some ideal that looks beyond the mundane of this world. Help the people who work with you, people who look up to you, to achieve more accomplishment than they would otherwise have achieved on their own. If you can do that, then your private success becomes aligned to civil progress. I think that is what society is lacking. You asked about the impact of school motors and all that. I think people after education achieve uh, privately, you know, but that private success does not transform into civil progress or society's progress. And that's what we must cure in our society. And once we do that, then hope will be restored and um, we will make further strides than we have made so far in society. Becoming models of human aspiration. Is that what you'll be talking about at the speech day on Saturday at the Francis School? <laughs> no, not quite. A bit more than that. Yeah, it's something different. Quick better thanks for making time to be with us. And if you enjoy this edition of Springboard, the Virtual University, just join us again next week for another uh, the 10th edition in our series called Leaders Digest. We are hanging out with some of the best leaders you can find in this country, trying to find out the values and principles that undergird their lives, how they got to be where they are, and how we can also learn from them and live out our own dreams and aspirations. Our guest for tonight has been the Chief Executive of the Standard Chartered Bank, Kweku Beduadu, walking us through the pages of his life and giving us if nothing, a blueprint for climbing to the top of your field. Coming up next, a walk with Jesus and the topic, who is the head of the family? Are men still heads of families in recent times? The, the host is Pastor Ransford Abosi and the guests, Counselor George Nitrot and Mrs. Patience Atta Bedu. So we come your way again next week. Guess what? God bless you. God bless you. And God bless you. Good night. Thank you for listening to Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast by Albert and Comfort Okran. Like our Facebook and Twitter pages at Albert and E. Okran and Comfort Okran A for free resources and information about our itinerary, conferences and media broadcast. For speaking appointments, email albert.okran at icloud.com or SMS or WhatsApp us on plus two three three two four nine 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 nine. Zero zero zero. You may also subscribe to www.albertokran.com, amazon.com, or your favorite online bookstore for copies of our inspirational books and audiovisual materials. Until we come your way again, always remember, you are blessed indeed. Oh.